The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, ready to roll today. Numbers to get in, 466 376 465 800 800-825-5865. Email chris at and give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr. That's two R's. We'll uh, kind of hit the highlights of Bill Moose on his radio show when it comes to fan to fan attendance. Uh, Mo Berry asked uh, the other important question on Twitter, can we tailgate? Uh, per the Twitter timeline, it sounds like yes, you can tailgate. I think every other parking stall, but I'm not the university. I'm just reading what I see on Twitter per some fan response to a good old Mo Berry. So I hope that's true. I believe that's true in a conversation Matt Davison had with KETV. So uh, get the burgers ready. If you're a rib guy, get the ribs going. And for sure, get the uh, the brats and the Fairberry brands fired up. So uh, looking forward to May 1st. First things first, so you've got <laughs> spring practice to get through. We'll dive into some questions about Nebraska in 2021 from CBS Sports. A story a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, excited to get to, but uh, loaded up today. Brandon Vogel going to be with us from Hale Varsity. Vogue's uh, really uh, phenomenal work, as always, in the latest issue of Hale Varsity Magazine. 8553huskerhalevarsity.com backslash subscribe. But uh, Vogue's does a nice feature on the attrition question. Uh, and pairs it with recruiting, and also the the old saying, uh, "Good team win, good teams win, great teams cover." Uh, some really intriguing uh, against the spread numbers by those in the Big Ten and those in college football. So we'll hit that with Vogues. We didn't get Charlie McBride on Monday because of NCAA tournament games. Coach McBride with us in one hour. Get his take on a lot of different things, you know, specifically the defensive line. Mitch Sherman will be with us from The Athletic. Mitch will join us around 525. And then the Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, will help handicap the uh, Sweet 16. You have your numbers. You can get in. And uh, just a couple of quick thoughts from from Bill Moose. Uh, You know by now... That capacity is at 50%, 45,000 going to be the number. Uh, you can uh, log on to uh, kfornow.com 
at ESPNLincoln.com for some information on if you want to jump in on baseball tickets for tomorrow against Minnesota, uh, where and how you can do that for softball, for soccer, for volleyball at Devaney. And when it comes to spring football, uh, you know, they, they could push up to 75%. There's still plenty of time between now and May 1st for vaccinations. Uh, those will go on sale uh, next week, April 1st, first to season ticket holders, and then April 2nd to non-season ticket holders. Baseball tickets go on sale, uh, I believe, the went on sale this morning at 10 o'clock to season ticket holders. So good on that. All right, some explanations about the, the Oklahoma fiasco. And uh, Bill Moose was asked about that. It was an option they were looking at. It was to get another home game due to uh, the loss that, that many suffered during COVID, but it wasn't considered very long. Moose has taken arrows, is my take on this. This wasn't a Bill Moose, hey, let's putt Oklahoma and uh, bring in directional state for a, for an easy win. What's the old scene from Animal House? We're willing to uh, to trade looks for someone that may not have a high moral character. All right? <laughs> and you were thinking about trading looks, Oklahoma for whoever, whatever. Maybe you, you move your uh, your your buy win from uh, November thirteenth or whenever it is to to September fourth. I think that's a real discussion. And and listen, Nebraska needs to build up wins, needs to build up confidence. I I get that. It's not going to be easy going and seeing the pig farmer to open up against Illinois. Uh, and then you have a week off, and then here comes Lance Leopold in Buffalo. He's a phenomenal coach. He's win. He's won, and he's won at a high level everywhere he's been, and he's doing that at Buffalo. You have that game is a real threat on top of the look-ahead factor with OU. So if Nebraska wants to um, move their, their November game up to that open date that was supposed to be a bye because you're going to be drinking Guinness in Ireland, I get it. Uh, make that happen so you get some wins under your belt. But – it was, listen, back to Moose. He likes the schedule. It's a tough schedule, but the team is good. And I think the team can compete. Uh, listener Kent emailed in yesterday that he had seen that uh, an early number out in Vegas for a win, win number over under seven and a half for Nebraska. I'll have to, Damon Barr can maybe check on, on our friends out in the desert on that. But there's no way, shape, or form that Oklahoma was going to be taken off. And there's a little bit of an explanation there by Moose last night. Would you have gotten upset if it's Wake Forest or Texas Tech? Maybe, but but probably not. Uh, Oklahoma, this is what I think, man. I think Oklahoma, if you go play well, and I'm not delusional, I'm not crazy. I know that your schedule has... Ohio State and Oklahoma in the same year. I know that's a reality. I know that those are two favorites for the college football playoff every year based on how they're they're loaded up and OU's returning a ton offensively. 
you, you factor in Michigan and you factor in Iowa and you factor in Northwestern, and then you've had trouble beating Purdue. I know you, you, you just did beat them, but that was your first win over Purdue since the Riley era. And Minnesota's been a pain because love or hate P.J. Fleck, he's, he finds a way to win some ball games. He just does. And, and he develops well. So, listen, there's not a game on this schedule of the 12. You don't feel real easy, probably about 10 or 11 of them. That's all right. Spring can maybe change your mind with that. But that's kind of the, the gist of things uh, when it comes to uh, social distancing in the stadium, groups of six to eight in the stadium, uh, distance from other groupings. And uh, probably every other row is is what it's going to look like. And uh, the tickets will be mobile. I get that. So uh, that's kind of your update on Moose. He likes the the way women and and men's basketball is going. Mark Manning's a stud. And he'll be back. Uh, The wrestling program's uh, rock solid with him. So that's uh, that's it. We'll see if Nebraska can push towards 75%, but but 45,000 feels great. Back to CBS Sports in their article kind of previewing the Big Ten in spring football. Uh, they ask a lot of questions. You know, is Wisconsin ready to take that step? Are they going to have a difference maker at quarterback? Is Iowa going to continue to be Iowa? What do you expect from, you know, Bielema in year one? What does Mel and company do at year two with Sparty? They had that big-time upset win with uh, the, the, the takedown of Northwest, pre, uh, unbeaten Northwestern. What's Fitz get back? He loses a, a ton on defense. And then there's the Nebraska question, and they start out with kind of the, the vibe and expectations. Now, the vibe has been a little nervous, a little shaky, and then it was outright venom with this Oklahoma thing two weeks ago. I think it's gone from dampened about the, the thought of, wanting to, to, to wuss out of the Oklahoma game to, all right, your, your mood may be a little bit brighter. I can actually go see my football team potentially this spring and be part of the 45,000 or more. So I think that news was, was great, and I expect that stuff to, to sell out. So, listen, I think you're going to be excited to go see your team. Clearly, that's obvious, but I think your, your mood – maybe brighten a little bit that you'll get to see in person. So how are you feeling is is what we get to. And that's a good question from the article here. And they and they lay out some some choices here. It's multiple choice. As a Nebraska fan heading into the spring, is there is there concern? Is that your outlook? Look, man, I'm worried about the football program. I'm nervous about the offense. Not sure about the quarterback. What's going to happen with wide receiver? Where's the running back room at? Or, hey, I'm, I'm confident. I think there's going to be a good defense that can uh, really kind of lock down some of these offenses and, and be a, a factor, as you saw improvement last year by Chin's group. You know special teams, whoever's going to be directing traffic there. I think they'll have Bill Bush's voice in their ear. He's proven it that. It'd be better if he was hands-on, but he's not an on-field coach, which sucks. Uh, which really sucks, but at least he's part of the program again. So concern, is there cautious optimism right now as you look at Nebraska football heading into spring and and beyond? Is there dread? There's a lot of dread 
with some of the people I bump into because of the schedule, because of the offense, frankly. And and then there's the this the 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 diehard iron core confident. It's gonna be all right. Frost will get it turned around in year four and Nebraska's ready to step up. And it's not been a quick build, and it's not been a quick build because you've gotta you've gotta build on the lines of scrimmage to win in the Big Ten. And that takes time. And you've seen some guys like Rodgers, like Ty Robinson, still he's back. You've seen the linebacking core. You've seen them gradually get better. Now it's the offense's turn. And that's the the question here. Is this the time? Is this the year? Is this the season that the offense puts it together? Is it ready to take off? And count me in the group that thought it would be explosive and and UCF-like sooner rather than later. And it's not going to happen in Big Ten football. Too many good coaches, too many good defenses. Not that it can't, but I think you got to kind of narrow down with a style and a way to win. Okay, Ohio State scores a hell of a lot of points. They throw the football to elite receivers that go to the NFL, but when push comes to shove, Ohio State has great offensive line play. If we're just talking offensive side of the ball, a difference maker at quarterback, a stellar run game with depth, and and they are balanced and they are above all physical. And when they need a yard and a half, they'll run for it. They've got the athletes to do it. Probably a poor example because of they're they're at the top of the mountain when it comes to elite recruiting and and developing some of that talent same with iowa they develop great talent wisconsin develops great talent northwestern finds a way to make it ugly enough on on defense and special teams and they don't screw up kind of like iowa and they do just enough to get out of their own way on offense i think that's the biggest thing when we talk about your outlook and how you're feeling on the vibe and expectations topic I think you're you're frustrated because of what you've not seen translate. And you've seen Nebraska put up season-high yards on an Iowa, on a Northwestern. And it's minimal points. It's 20 points. It's 14 points. It's 17 points. And you're not seeing the between the 20s hit the end zone, you're getting seven, you're wanting seven, you're getting three in best-case scenarios. Worst-case scenarios, you're having turnovers inside the red zone. And those yards aren't translating to points. Those points aren't translating to wins. So my biggest question here is, you know, with the quarterback spot and Adrian in a year four, in another year of spring, it's imperative you get some sort of comfort level with what can our backup, whoever's number two, if it isn't Adrian, and I think Adrian's obviously your favorite for the job, but what can our number two do well? Can we ask him to go do that with a, with a, with an offensive game plan that leans on some strengths? I'll say this. I think the offensive line showed really well at times last year. Other times, the offensive line had issues. Uh, 
They were part of the problem with the turnovers. Sometimes they were bad throws. Sometimes they were horrific play calls. And I think of the interception by McCaffrey against Illinois. Adrian goes off. Here comes Mack. Let's throw the football. And it was picked. And then the bleep avalanche continued. So, listen, with Nebraska, they need help around their quarterback. Those are part of the questions that can lead to concerns. But I think, listen, I count me in as cautiously optimistic because I think they can find a couple of backs. I think when push comes to shove, there's a real hard acceptance of what do I want to do versus what can we do. And I think what Nebraska can do is run the football and then take care of their quarterback with some play action. Call me throwback, but I still remember Harry and streaking down the seam on a fake option pass. You know what? You can still sting teams throwing the football. Brandon Vogel's on the way with Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Coming up here a little more than a half hour away, Charlie McBride, a Monday with Charlie on a Thursday. We'll talk D-line with Mr. Blackshirt. We welcome in... Managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Barbecue connoisseur. Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel. Vogel, it feels like years since I've talked to you. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? I'm tan and I look beautiful. Um, that, that's, that's how I'm going to go with it. And I, I'm kind of glowing here with the, with the cloudy and skies and rain. But, uh, yeah, I look... Uh, I look, you know, Hasselhoff-ish with that uh, Baywatch tan. So, so nothing's new is what you're saying. <laughs> Brother, I'm pasty and old <laughs> most, <laughs> most of the time. But uh, no, I, interested to get your take here on, on this CBS Sports kind of preview of spring and beyond. Vibe and expectations, you know, how you feeling was the question to Nebraska fans and concern, cautious optimism, dread, sort of confident. And I'm going to go cautiously optimistic with things. We'll get to your fantastic feature on uh, attrition and recruiting and also, uh, you know, the fact that great teams cover. But just overall, I think it really comes down to confidence in the offensive line and and just kind of being willing to accept winning by any means necessary on offense not how you look doing it but but what can you do and what can work because there's been a lot of empty yards that don't translate into points that don't translate into wins and maybe nebraska kind of solves that puzzle through this spring and beyond with uh, some of the kids they've got in either the running back and wide receiver you find out what you got at quarterback and what your your backup plan is at quarterback. And then, you know what, the offensive line could be really good. I mean, this this is going to be a third year together for a lot of guys. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I would guess my, my overall takeaway on Nebraska is I think about spring football ahead and further than that, the, the season ahead is that you know, I'm still in the spot of, d- despite the results on the field, there are some some real reasons here for 
A little bit of optimism. It's not a slam dunk. They're not a team that is top five in terms of return and production, but they are close to the top 30, the top 25, which, which surprises me a little bit. Like I thought the, for those that, you know, calculate those things more specifically than even I do myself, I thought the loss of Wandale Robinson would, would ding those numbers a little more than they have so far. So um, you know, SB Plus came out with their very, very early preseason ratings uh, a month or so ago. Nebraska's 26, 27. They're, they're in that range. So in a lot of ways, I guess it's, it's a, a lot more of the same. Like we've seen them kind of consistently building, even though it hasn't shown itself on the field, like consistently building the things that where you, you could say, most teams that do this or that are in this spot shouldn't prove. We still are just waiting for, for Nebraska to, to actually improve to that point. And, and, and that gives you a little bit of pause. So I expect this offseason to be a little bit, quote-unquote, tense in, in that regard. Of <clears throat> People are a little bit gun-shy, and for good reason. But... On, on paper, at least, like you mentioned, the offensive line—that's a source of. If, if that group, you know, gets gets close to its ceiling, um, I think they have a good chance to to kind of. I mean, I think we're all talking about at least bowl eligibility mm-hmm. for this upcoming year as as the baseline. Like, I think they have a good chance to get there. We'll see. Like, is there something unique to Nebraska that that makes it so? They, they aren't getting there or they haven't gotten there in the past. And those are all kind of big questions to, to wrestle with. What's kept Nebraska from success has been Nebraska more times than someone annihilating them. I mean, it, it's been, okay. it's been turnovers. It's been inconsistency on offense. And if the offense is rolling one day, the, the defense has the day off, right? I mean, it's been complimentary, football and oh yeah by the way that third phase that will push you over the edge positively or negatively special teams I mean I it's got to get better we've said that before but I think the addition of Bush or whoever's running the show on special teams the fact that that he's on board now in some capacity you hope it gets better I think the defense can continue to make strides they're loaded back and they were really good at tackling and kind of lay in the wood, quite honestly. I mean, they were physical defense. And then offense. I mean, can you line up and, and run the football? <laughs> right? And and, and, yeah. and, and harken me back to, to some play action. If your passing game's limited because of wideouts or your quarterback, roll with what you got. And Nebraska didn't have 70% completion dudes. A lot of the years they went 10 or 11 wins. But, man, they were good on – second and four, uh, finding the tight end or finding Wilson Thomas deep because, oops, I bit on the run, the run fake. So I think that's where, where Nebraska can go. Okay, uh, you spent time with uh, this latest issue of Hale Varsity. We'll get to the, uh, the attrition in a moment, but Vogue's your column touched on uh, winning without winning. That's the title of it, folks. Get to subscription to alvarsity.com and magazine now. Bundle it and love it. But there's some staggering research you found with Against the Spread, right? And Urban Meyer kind of kicks it off, and you go from Urban to Scott Frost, and 
what Nebraska is doing. What, without giving all of it away, what did you find and what, what surprised you? What did you expect? Yeah, so it just kind of started out as an idea that I was interested in this offseason. And, you know, in the course of six weeks, two months, it's become like when when Auburn hires Brian Harson, the first thing I go look at is the coaches <clears throat> against against the spread record. And and I don't do that from any like gambling perspective. I do that because what the line is designed to do is set a baseline. It's it's trying to get as close to a fifty fifty proposition as it can. So if you think Auburn's twenty points better than the Citadel or whatever making the, the spread 20 points should make that a, a coin flip. So that becomes a way for me to, to kind of look at, okay, if, if Ohio State's favored by 24 points on average every game and they win by 28, that doesn't just show you that Ohio State's good. It's showing you that, you know what, they're, they're, not, having, they're not having an Illinois game like Nebraska had this past season. There, I mean, and, and every team has them, but on a on a broad enough span, like they're showing up, they're outperforming expectations or they're underperforming, and like the scale is is somewhat narrow here. Urban Meyer um, was won fifty eight percent of his games against the spread at Ohio State, which may not sound like a lot, but when you consider that, you know, 50 is, is roughly average in the span itself, like he's at the top of the list, like Saban and Clemson. And it gets a little wonky when you get with those teams that are just the class of college football, the same way it would with those teams that are at the very, very bottom. Like, you know, we're talking about a packed on extra touchdown here. That's the difference between covering and not covering, but Scott Frost came in to Nebraska at a level that, you know, it was only two years, so the sample size was small, but, but came in at a level that would lead you to believe very optimistic, which, every, which really almost everyone was, you know, locally or nationally, everyone was. And, and that was based on the against the spread numbers justified. At Nebraska, that number has dropped off a little bit. So then you got to start looking at sort of, some of the reasons why, um, you know, when I look this up over the past three years, so the length of time that this staff has been in Nebraska, Nebraska ranked, I think, seventh or eighth in, in the Big Ten, which still, it's, it's not as bad as it sounds, but there's just some really, really good coaches in the Big Ten who are consistently able, Kirk Ferentz is a great example, of guys who are consistently maximizing their team's performance. Like, they're not going to beat themselves. You have to go out and beat them. And I think that's a, a, a unique hill that Nebraska has to climb here. You nailed it. And, and I think it gets back to it's not whether you, you, you won or you lost. Did you get blown out? Did you, did you embarrass yourself through your own comedy of errors, right? How much did you help the other team cover the number against you? Uh, or... Right. Why were you short? Why did you lose another one-score game? And you're going to have mistakes in a football game. There's going to be a penalty. There's going to be a turnover. But it, it continue. It has continued more times than not to, to bite Nebraska, right? Because that, that margin for error is so thin. It is, you know. So I don't, I don't have the numbers directly in front of me. But, like, 
that Illinois game last year, Nebraska was like a 15, 16 point favorite, and they ended up losing by some what, of us got it at 17 and a half. But go ahead. Right. Right. So, you know, and they end up losing by more than 20 points. So you look at that, and that's like, that's a total collapse. Because when you take the, okay, we thought you were 16 points better than this team, and you lost by, say, 24, that's, that's 40 points, you know, that you basically underperformed. And it's not that the, you know, like, I mean, the spread is pretty good. Like, it's, it's right way more than it's wrong. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in business. Um, so as a starting point, there are, there are all these details to like consider and context to consider here, but as a starting point, it's pretty good for any game to tell you like, here's where we think these two teams are. And then you have, here's what happened and, and things can get out of control. Things can get a little wonky in any one game scenario, but the point of doing this over three years, and I mean, really I've done it like I, I have the numbers going back to, to 2000. Um, is is to look at like okay, well, who's consistently there? And, and you know, I brought up Kirk Ferentz. He ranks fourth on on the list of, of active coaches against the spread, which matches up with I think what you would say about Iowa, which is they're a tough team to play. They are consistently close. They don't beat themselves, and they're going to be in the game. And and so much of it is just that. And the, the random stuff you can't control. But just being in the game says a lot. Vogues, uh, I need five minutes from you on the other side to talk about uh, attrition and your feature in uh, this week's, this month's uh, magazine. Do you have it? If not, we can go Saturday, but I thought I'd put you on the spot. Yeah, I can do that. All right. Brandon Vogel, more with Vogues from Hale Varsity. Coming up, uh, thanks uh, for being with us on a Thursday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff. Uh, just on Twitter here a little bit ago, you've got Sam Hoiberg uh, excited to announce he'll be uh, continuing his education and basketball career at Nebraska. Good for him. Brandon Vogel is stuck through it. The commercial break. He is back with us from HaleVarsity.com and magazine managing editor, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Get that book. So, Vogues, uh, we have dove into uh, against the spread stuff and just where Nebraska stacks up and Coach Frost. And in not as an excuse, but you've got coaches that are really highly regarded that aren't ranked very high in the Big Ten because the Big Ten is dog-eat-dog every weekend. And I think that's been... It's been a learning curve as as even Nebraska fans even being in the league ten years. I mean, there's no week off. Yeah, there, there's not. I mean, Paul Paul Christ and Pat Fitzgerald on this ranking over the past three years that I did in the magazine uh, weren't as high as I thought they would be. Like those are both coaches. I think we we all kind of universally respect, even if they may annoy us from time to time. Um, like those are good pro. Those are good programs. And I think it tells you a little bit, too, about, about how they play. Because you can still win the game and not win against the spread. And, and Northwestern and Wisconsin probably do that m- more often than, than teams that have won as much as they have. Like, they're just going to win some close ones, which is its own skill. And, you know, when we look at Nebraska's record in one-score games over the past three years, um, it, it's something the Huskers are certainly still trying to learn. 
Vogues, let's tackle your feature here, the cover, the draw to depart. So 20 years, 4 out of 10 Nebraska football signees have left before their careers are over. That spans, if we go back 20 years, let's do that. We, we got to get, get the... Uh, got to take my shoes off here to count with when it comes to coaching changes but it's it's a reality I mean, you've had you've had uh five right in 20 years so there's that that's a reality but you hit on a couple of things and you tie into in-state recruiting uh scarcity and affinity and what what gets better first the scarcity part, as in, okay, Nebraska is only going to produce X number of Division One athletes. The region seems to be on a monster uptick, and I'm not just talking about the Fedoni class, but the previous year, and I'm thinking of Henrich that you're seeing play now, right? Uh, and and then you look at a number of the kids, specifically the the in-state five, and, and Ernest Hausman is a kid that, that has committed but he has an affinity. He remembers Levante David. He remembers driving from Columbus, Nebraska to watch Nebraska football and and love the team. He was an in-state kid that was a fan. Uh, It feels like it's not, uh, it's too maybe broad of a brush to to say this, but it just doesn't feel like there's, there's that many in-state fans anymore because Nebraska is not one at the level, even five to seven to 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that generally. Like, there, you know, Nebraska hasn't been the Nebraska it, it was for a large stretch of its history, which, you know, for, for impressionable young football players makes a difference. Also, you know, the, the world has changed a little bit. Like, if, if you wanna, wanted to be an Oregon fan in Nebraska in 1992, like, it wasn't that easy. Now it's now it's super easy. Now it's really no different than than following Nebraska because you have access, you have access to everything. So I think I think there's some of that too. So on the question of does the scarcity, like the number of FBS level prospects Nebraska produces, does that change or does play you know these players who are at that level liking Nebraska more change? It's probably the scarcity part of it, and I think we're already seeing that. You know. Um, Ten years ago, you know, you might you might have felt like, oh, if Nebraska has five go five guys signed with F- FBS programs, Nebraska the state, you, you're in a pretty good year. Now it might be six, seven, or eight. I, I would say, um, like it's just the 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 number of times that we see, oh, this guy has an offer from Michigan. He has an offer from Notre Dame, Iowa State. I mean, Iowa State's consistently got in early on Nebraska guys because you know they kind of have to. To, to have a shot, but more and more often, at least to me, it seems like players that are in Omaha, Lincoln, wherever in, in the state of Nebraska have, have more options in the big 10 and, and certainly more options at the power five level than they did before. So I do think the, the level of play, or maybe it's just the amount of attention those guys get is elevating. Um, so you could say the scarcity is already trending down a little bit, which you'll, you'll take it however you can get it if, if you're Nebraska. The more players that you should have an in with, whether, whether or not you do or do not actually, is, is just better for them. Well, it, it, it's Nebraska's job on the field, or yep. certainly on the recruiting playing field, to, to ramp up that, that affinity. You can do it on the recruiting trail, yep. 
but the what would hit home is peers going to peers or guys that were in-state guys that were part of a winning season or that go as they go and win a conference championship that that will do wonders or getting to a bowl game or having kind of a breakthrough win i mean there, there's different roads to travel here where you can kind of yep. pump up that affinity uh vogue's last question for you before we say goodbye here about a minute and a half uh husker volleyball they get rocking against michigan uh and then penn state how uh how loud will will 2700 sound at the Devaney Center here in a week? It's, it's going to sound like a, a sold out crowd compared to what they've had previously. Well, I, sure. I'm really <laughs> I'm really happy for that program in particular. Like I'm happy that Nebraska fans get to go. I'm happy that baseball will be able to start its 2021 season that way, as well as softball. Um, but for volleyball, which only has two matches left, with they're against Penn State, kind of classic matchup. I'm excited that those players on those on this team, whether they decide to come back, whether they decide not to, get that chance to. It's not going to be capacity. It's not going to be eight thousand, but have that chance to at least feel that again. You know, if this is for some of them their last game, their last home match at Nebraska, I, I'm very happy that they get that. And you know, spring games a big big deal. Um, just getting fans back, being able to do that is a big, big deal. But that was kind of my first thought when that announcement came yesterday was I'm happy for the volleyball program. They deserve to to get to feel that too. And it's too bad for programs like, you know, basketball on both sides didn't get that opportunity. Vogues, uh, we'll talk Saturday. Awesome to get caught up again. Thanks for uh, for doing double duty for us. No problem. Thank you. All right. Brandon Vogel, awesome stuff uh, on attrition and interesting discussion on scarcity and affinity when it comes to uh, in-state project uh, prospects and projects. The other part of this too is I look at whoever Matt Campbell offers at Iowa state. They're like, eh, huh? But you know, a guy that ended up at Nebraska over Iowa state, you saw what he developed into is Divino Zigbo. It's a guy Iowa state wanted. And Nebraska ended up getting and got the best out of Ziggy as he's off to the NFL. But plenty to get into uh, with the latest issue. Uh, the, the against the spread numbers are pretty magical. So we'll wind down this first hour. Charlie McBride's 15 minutes away. Mitch Sherman's on the way. Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke. Burke's best bets for the Sweet 16. Hail Varsity rolls forward. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good hour, and Charlie McBride's 10 minutes away. Mitch Sherman on the way. Danny Burke will hear from Deb the Spa Lady. I had a chance to chat with Amir Abdullah today. We'll hear that tomorrow. He re-ups with the Vikings, some awesome... uh, FaceTime with Amir Abdullah. So uh, fear Amir, baby. He's coming up tomorrow on Hale Varsity, along with Bill Dolman 
and Parker Gabriel. So 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska, they aren't wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We bring in Damon Barr. Damon, uh, I always like getting your take. We didn't get a chance to talk Tuesday, so Damon's dinner is what for Thursday? Is it is it some more pesto pasta? Are you going with uh, sliders? Are we doing doing something a little? Is it pot pie Thursday? Let's think about this. Is it? Bo- uh, I know it's box wine Thursday. <laughs> Every Thursday, but <laughs> you know, you know that feeling when you buy a bunch of groceries and you're like, "What the hell did I just buy?" There's nothing. Did to you eat. go hungry? I, I, did I, you I, show up to the grocery store it, hungry? It, it's been a, yes, and that turned into a let me buy all these uh, snacks that I devour when I get home. So uh, we're looking at a, a, a nice pizza tonight. Okay. Probably a little uh, bacon, bacon lovers pizza. Okay. So that's going you. in the oven. Wonderful. Uh, are you just feeding you, or is it... Uh, yeah, just me tonight. Usually a whole pizza does feed me, so... Sure. But a lot of times, it's it's with your gal pal, and, right. uh, you know, she is... I, I've not ever been introduced. One day. There's a reason. It's <laughs> <David's> like... <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll hold on for that one. <laughs> you're a creepy old man. <laughs> introducing her to you. So I, I just had to ask, you know... I'd be happy to introduce my wife to you, but she scares everybody. Fair enough. how she works. So, listen, uh, Elijah seems to have done okay for now. We, we have a whole new normal Sweet 16 because everything's all red with, with things. How many brackets did you enter? Is there bracket etiquette? Well, I, th- there is a for for a group effort. There's a bracket etiquette. I, I enter one per group if I'm in a group. But and so you can, you can do a bracket and you can do a bracket for several groups. Yeah, is that bracket stay the same? The the core concept for me, the final four always stays the same for me. But I sometimes, depending on where I'm at, I switch a couple upsets. But you you remain with the final four. Yeah, which was a kind of a bad idea this year with uh, Oklahoma State see, and Purdue. So see, no, and and that's okay. I mean. I had Purdue playing this weekend. They are not. I had the the other orange and black team playing Oklahoma State, not Oregon State, for the love of God. And quite honestly, I hope uh, there's public flogging that's going on with Coach Underwood in, in Illinois. Sorry, that's mean, but that's unacceptable. <laughs> you can't let sister jeans squad roll you divine intervention or not wasn't it didn't even look like illinois watched film we're gonna show up and beat the hell out of this mo valley squad i assume they're still in the mo valley i don't remember but meanwhile porter's like yep there's gonna be some more zeros at the end of my check when i'm not here anymore and this is a really horrible take but She's sweet and lovely, but I, I'm Sister Jeaned out. I had my fill two, three years ago. I don't need the camera cutaways. You got to play a drinking game with Sister Jean sightings this weekend. Coach McBride's next. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We can't miss a week without Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt. We had NCAA tournament games on Monday, so let's do a Thursday with Charlie. Coach, you got visitors, it sounds like. Yeah, not really. Everybody's out of their paper-measured countertops, and countertops are older than dirt. They're older than me, so that's how bad it is. <laughs> so you got new countertops. Was that a process, or did you kind of pick what you yeah, liked and no, moved it, on? It's, it's yeah, for me, it's just, um, yes. <laughs> the word yes is just uh, common, you know, when you start picking that stuff out. The yeah. owner does the final say. I hear you. You just kind of just nod your head, whatever you want, sweetie. That's that's how it goes, and <laughs> you, right. you move on, man. <laughs> Those look fine. So it, Let's get it. Yeah, well, it's easy for me to, to pick out stuff, but it's harder for women to do it. they yeah. got too many choices. They, they have a, a better eye, is, is what uh, one may argue. Uh, they would argue. Uh, my wife would argue. Hey, good news for Nebraska. This came down late yesterday evening. Nebraska fans will be able to check out the spring game. As of now, we're looking at 45,000, so about 50% capacity of, of the 90,000, and we'll see where it goes for the fall. That's great news. The Big Ten is is uh, loosening their grip a bit, Coach. I think it's a good it's a good thing. It'll be a barometer of what goes on in the future, I think. If it, you know, if it goes through without any complications, I mean, you know, there, there's going to be a couple things, that, but it won't be a major deal, and, and by the time the next season comes around we still got some more time to lower the numbers and and uh, you know hopefully that everything works out because two seasons in a row and no people it makes it hard really hard it's hard on this on the fans, of course, but mm-hmm. it's really got to be hard on the players. Can you tell us what it was like uh, from your perspective just to, to have the crowd as many years as you did, to have the crowd and specifically the energy for some of those big games and for, for any game, what it did for you and the players? Oh, it's major. I mean, uh, you know, the energy can, can carry over even on away games. I think, you know, I remember going down a long time ago and playing um, Auburn and, you know, their fans never shut up. They were going full blast. You didn't know who they were yelling for because it was going going all the time. But, you know, the thing, number one thing is, is you know, players enjoy playing in front of people. That's kind of why they, why you do things, you know, in athletics. I think it's, uh, if it isn't just your parents, it's just the, the people in your town, your school, and things like that. And each person has something a little different, but the energy that they can present is, is really makes for a lot of help, for especially for the uh, young players. That Auburn game was crazy, uh, from what I remember. The the Auburn fan base all riled up. I remember Fox Bryant telling me one time that someone stepped in front of the team bus and, and mooned, mooned, mooned one of the yeah. buses, right? And you you were uh, you, you were an eyewitness, <laughs> unfortunately. Of, was, there were three of them that did it all at once. <laughs> 
I mean, it was it was we were we were on the first bus going out. I guess I was, uh, you know, and and sitting up right there in front, and it, it couldn't miss anything. It didn't. All of a sudden, it was it was like a, I didn't see what I just saw. You know, <laughs> I didn't really see that. You know, it was kind of you know when you win, it was everybody was giggling and laughing about it. But I suppose it wouldn't have been so funny if we had a lost. And you know, the thing I remember most about that game was probably Bro Jackson. Uh, he was a sophomore at the time, and I think uh, he scored at the end of the game. And he left the ground at about, I, I was guessing in the film, seven or eight yards in the air. He dove from eight that far back and scored over the top of everybody. I mean, the guy was just an unbelievable athlete. Thank God he didn't play in the whole game. You don't know what he'd have done. Bo did the old Walter <laughs> Payton tribute where you take off from the seven and you just glide over the top, huh? Right. Yeah, that's right. That's what he did. And, uh, you know, he may have been the best athlete of all everybody, you know, that we played against. Just, you know, the injury hurt him a lot in pro ball. And I think playing two sports when you get at that professional level, it's really hard for guys to do that. In college, maybe a little bit hard because of grade school and things like that. But, you know, he was special. Let's go through some of the backs you faced. I mean, I think uh, you played Bo that sophomore year. I think that was 82. Yeah, uh, you, you had Billy Sims. You had Marcus Dupree. Uh, who else? Uh, Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas. I mean, there's a lot of great backs you guys shut down. Yeah, the one, the one we didn't was the one from Missouri. Uh, James, James Wilder. Wilder. Yeah. He, he walked all over us. Uh, you know, if there's one person that did really did damage to us, then I was there was was probably James Wilder. I mean, he he we just couldn't tackle him. I mean, he was just so powerful and and, and such a great athlete. Besides, you know, and uh, you know, I think. I think time got him a little bit, you know, and when he got done playing, I think his injuries kind of shortened his career and mm-hmm. so forth. You know, and that's what happens a lot. Of I mean, you notice that one of the things right now, as I noticed the other night, you know, you got some basketball players now that are starting to get hurt, but the majority of them are older. and. Mm-hmm. That's kind of an indication, you know. I'm, I remember Rathman hurting his shoulder, and it's kind of like, well, you know, the, the, the stage is, the curtain's going to be pulled on this because sometimes once it starts, your body just can't do it anymore. And um, so that's what happens to a lot of the great athletes, and, you know. And of course, with Bo Jackson, it was a hip, which is really a, a major part of your your body but uh, the guy was amazing because after he had a replacement I think it was he was still stealing bases in the in baseball, <laughs> he still played a couple, three years for the White Sox and Angels. I mean, he, yeah. he kept going. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, a Thursday with Charlie. Coach, uh, let's talk spring balls around the corner. It gets rolling on Tuesday next week. Uh, as we look, I want to focus on the defensive line a little bit here. What's the next step for this Nebraska front three? What, uh, they, they played well. They cut down the yards per carry by about a whole yard and a half last year. They were really stout and did a good job. Uh, they can be better, and I think they're, they're working towards that. What's, what's next for this defensive line? Because you've got a lot of veterans and some newcomers and also some kids that have been kind of biding their time. 
Well, I kind of look at the guy that's coaching him first. I think he's special. I think he's really a good good football coach. I, you know, you hope he stays around and, and does some things because I think the kids are growing with him mm-hmm. a little bit. Although he's been at you know the he's been at the NFL level and things like that, but it, it's still it's working with players uh, year after year. And I think you, they get more confidence in you and so on and so forth. You know, but um, but I don't know what uh, you know. Um, <laughs> What else can be done except just fundamentally just keep getting better and better at it? He he, he looks he looks like to me to be persistent. You know, mm-hmm. he's not going to let things slip by him and everything like that. You know, so I don't know. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, you're right about uh, Tui Odi. Not only on the recruiting trails, he's been doing well, but uh, you got Ben Stilley coming back, Damian Daniels, DeAndre Thomas, uh, and Casey Rogers, and, and of course, uh, Ty Robinson from down in Arizona, some some new kids, and Nash Hutmacher, yeah. the old polar bear. Uh, folks will be excited to see him. With with When it comes to pass rush, did you did you want you wanted it yes but was it important to get interior pass rush or was the focus to get someone off the edge well i think you know that you know everybody talks about sacks and things and i think the biggest thing is this pressure mm-hmm. i mean you you what you really want to do is make the quarterback move around where he doesn't want to be you may or or his arm motion where he can't follow through and you get a bad ball, you get a balloon ball thrown up there, with, which helps interceptions. And just the little things that make a guy nervous um, back there are really important. But I think if you're going to just stand there and push all day and not have a chance, not, you know, breaking a seam or something, or having a, you know, we had simple goal call where we just broke the seam and just tried to, you know, get through between two guys. And, and, and that that did get us some some action, you know. And then you start employing your your head shakes and your hands and things like that when you do that, and you kind of go in progression of that kind of thing. And then, of course, when you're one-on-one with a guy, a lot of it has to do with being able to analyze his weight distribution when you're playing on him, whether, you know, you can, you know, get him going one and jerk him and, you know, and run counter moves off of him or you know, just straight outside speed rushes and, and things like that. You learn about that when you're looking at film a lot before before the game. But there, I think one thing I noticed that I, you know, the one thing I noticed about all of them, Rogers, Rogers and uh, Robinson, I, I, they both, they both have some natural instincts. And that that's number one. I think the thing that I'm I'm not sure of. Mm-hmm is that what is their burst after they make a move? You know, I mean, they're young yet uh, because the, your, your your explosiveness after you make a move or coming out of a move is really, really important. And the fact that you never stop your feet. The, the general rule is, is if your feet stop, you're, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you only got so many. you got to get there now. And, uh, and and make something happen. And the other thing is your eye contact on the quarterback is you know, the offensive lineman doesn't know where that quarterback is all the time. And he could be getting some pressure from one side or the other to force 
your your opponent, your offensive lineman, to be playing in the wrong direction and then make a chance to you know to make mm-hmm. a move, and that's where the explosiveness comes. So you know, it's an eye contact, it's peripheral vision. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that go into it. That uh, you know, I I noticed when I started teaching kids pass rush, I'd stand on the not behind them, but on the other side, so I could see where their eyes were going. Mm. And things like that, and I think you notice some drills where they'll put a, a dumb a stand-up bag, and they'll mm. go and uh, you know it's just stationary. Uh, but it's when you kind of get back there as a coach and move around a little bit and force the guy to you know to see where you are and make his move accordingly. Um, and and so a lot of that you know goes into you know making them. Then you're going to add into knocking balls down. You're going to add in to using the, you know, the, the opponent as a fulcrum kind of, and use him to push up and jump and do some things. You can maybe get a ball knocked down or something if you're not going to get to him, but if you're in front of him. And so, you know, there's a combination of a lot of things you just have to work on, and you can't do them all in one day. <laughs> no, it takes time. Coach, is there a player that you remember that, really had a, just a wow factor burst after they made their move? I mean, who really closed in? Well, there's a lot of guys that had different things. I remember, you know, Steve Warren was a guy that had better hands than probably most of our receivers. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and at one time led our team. Actually, we played some zone blitzes, and he would drop off. And he, I think at one time in the year, he led our team in interceptions. <laughs> You know, he had three, so I'm sitting there wondering, what the heck are we doing? He should be a safety or something. <laughs> he would have been a wide-body safety, I know that. But, but it, you know, I I think that, you know, the, the, the guy that had the most speed, of course, was Neil Smith. I oh, mean, wow. once he got by, it was history. I mean, he was two steps and he's there. He had, he had a great stride. He had great explosiveness, long arms. Uh, probably the most determined one would have to be probably at the end would probably be Jason Peter mm, cool. and Grant Wistrom. Both were were um, they played they played with their hearts. You know they they played faster than their than God gave them the ability to play. I mean they just forced themselves to be good players. And uh, you know th- those are special things that you you see in a in a player like wow. You know, you'll see something in a game you didn't see in practice. John, you know, and, and that's when they—that's when they call on themselves to to be the real deal. Coach, last thought: Tampa Bay re-upped with Indomitian Sue, giving him another one-year deal. Uh, do you think uh, Sue and Tampa can can make another title run? And how big a puzzle piece is he to bring him back? Well, one thing about him is bring on the money. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think a lot of times when you get past it, you know, there's a certain part in your life when, you know, you say, hey, I'm not going to negotiate with these guys because they may cut me. I mean, mm-hmm. even sure. though as good as he is, you can't ask for more than you're worth. Mm-hmm. And I think you're getting more than maybe more than you're worth in one year contracts. Then they then they know if you don't do it, it's not a two years we have to pay you for something that, you know, or three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I think that he's probably at this point doing the right thing, and and I think that he he'll stay there, as, you know, as long as you know he can, and and if they pay him decently, 
And, uh, you know, this may be, you know, he may be getting down to the, you know, where his his wheels are starting to go and, mm-hmm. and things like that. I don't know. You know, I know he's a, you know, he's a full-time player, and, and uh, those are the kind of guys you don't want to get rid of. He's always going to put pressure on people. Even if it's just giving a good push, he's helping everybody else. Coach, this was fun. Thanks for jumping on, and we'll uh, we'll talk with you Monday. Okay, I'll be there. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Gotta love Coach McBride. We'll get his thoughts as Monday, uh, presser with Scott Frost and Offensive coordinator, Coach Lubick, Coach Janander, a few players as the uh, spring season gets underway. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic is next. Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, still to come this hour with Hale City Radio. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Thanks to Coach McBride. Last segment we welcome in with the athletic Mitch Sherman with us at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, what's up? How you doing? Chris, I'm well. How are you? Are you are you refreshed? Feeling good? Yeah, man, it was great. Golf, swim time. And outdoor uh, viewing of the NCAA tournament. So it was phenomenal. Hey, it was good to see my that. mom and grandma. It was wonderful. Glad to hear it. You're, Glad uh, you had a good time. Your breather good? Yes. Yes, it was nice. And uh, now I got the kids off school for a week on spring break. So all the uh, good feelings and, and refreshed uh, attitude that I had from uh, a little t- time away is going to be uh, reversed with uh, – Everybody at home um, <laughs> jumping on top of me or whatever happens. Well, they, 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 they love and miss you. So, yes, it, it, that's, that's uh, uh, soak it in, right? So let's uh, get into Pro Day. I haven't talked to you forever, so I want to get your take. I know, mm-hmm. you, were, I know you were there for, for Pro Day for Mills yep. and, and Boodle and Stoll and Hymas and Farniak. And just your overall takeaway with – with uh, DiCaprio's performance, and you're uh, you're connected to uh, some guys around the NFL through the Athletic, and just your your time covering sports, and you know, do you feel like DiCaprio, with that forty time, was able to to convince somebody out there in the NFL hmm. that he he went from free agent to now draftable? Did, did he do enough the other day? You know, he might have. I'm not. 100% certain of that. It's hard to get a gauge on, you know, it just takes one team. That's the thing. And, and uh, I was, I was joking with uh, your friend and mine, Jeremiah Searles after the event, um, after the pro day that uh, some of us had decided that DiCaprio Boodles four, three, eight was either going to guarantee him a first round spot with the Raiders or a free agent uh, acquisition by any other organization. So, uh, you know, and, and I mean that's a joke, and you know the Raiders tend to get enamored with uh, with high end speed. He's not a first round pick. Let's let's let's. Uh, I'm not saying that, but uh, you know it's more to bring to light that um, you just don't know how this is going to work. There may be one team out there that loves what they saw from him on Tuesday, and you know he becomes a draftable player, but he's still a five foot ten or five foot nine and a half whatever whatever the measurement was 
cornerback, and he's going to be going against receivers who are 6'4 and 6'5. So you can run as fast as you, as you want. If you can't jump up and knock the ball away because these guys uh, you know, are six inches taller, then that's an issue in the NFL, as it is at times in the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, he had a 36-and-a-half-inch vertical. Um, he was impressive with his strength. DiCaprio looked really good. Actually, all of the guys, I would say, looked really good. Dedrick Mills, you know, just looked really built, I mean, in a good, in a good way. He wasn't too thick. Um, you know, Farniak was slimmed down. Hymas looked good. Jack Stoll was running around with his shirt off. Um, so had the, had the, uh, the full mullet. So that, that um, you know, they, I, they represented well. I don't know how many of them get drafted. I think Hymas certainly does. And then the others, you know, I think you're in that spot where they could, somebody could, a couple of them could go toward the end. Um, or or you'll, you'll be certainly looking at some who, uh, who take the free agent route. But I think all of them are going to get an opportunity, which is, really in their position other than Hymas, who would be very disappointed if he wasn't drafted. Um, all of them are just looking for that right opportunity. Well, and and you mentioned our old friend Searles, and he had a long career because he was able to play all the spots on the NFL and, and you know, mm-hmm. started a few games and was pretty key uh, on that offensive right. line because of the, of the roster uh, stipulations in the NFL, and I love the four three eight first round Raiders reference. We we need to give Fabian Washington some love, uh, just for Nebraska fans. <laughs> Ran his way into the pit into the nineteenth pick overall, but uh, Fabian put it down. So no, I, and I think with Hymas, like the guy is talented. I know he didn't run a forty. But I, I think he could play on the interior. I don't know that he's a tackle, and I'm not Mr. Draft Expert, but I think he's, he's got a lot of film, man, and, and he, did, he did pretty well at his time at Nebraska. The bigger question, uh, and I know you wrote about this, is you know, what's, what, what are these guys' parting thoughts, specifically on the offensive side? And I know Hymas made made some you know clarification comments about what he said with the the NFL interview versus what he said in Lincoln at Pro Day about the direction of the program but do you feel like uh the the offense is is in a good spot the system's trusted did you get that vibe from some of the guys with with the direction yeah it's funny with uh with Brendan Hymas and you know he got the, we got the chance to talk to him on Monday, and it's it's a month and a half or so removed from his comments that were made public around the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl was in January. I think that interview came out in early February. And you know I went back and read it before I talked to Brendan on Monday because you know I wanted to be able to ask about that, or I knew somebody would ask about that. And I was like, that's what he said. Yeah, I remembered it as more of a. Um, you know, more of an inflammatory thing. When it came out, it seemed like, oh, my goodness, you know, Brendan Hymas is, is uh, dogging the culture at Nebraska, and that's not really what it was. You know, he talked about in that interview in February, um, you know, how he was disappointed that Nebraska didn't turn the corner when he was there. Essentially, that's what he said. And, you know, he said came into came into work on Monday morning, and it wasn't like everybody was on the same page. I mean, look at the look at the results on the field. I mean, I think that's fairly – and maybe we talked about this at the time, but I think that's fairly clear that if you left this program and you were a competitive guy after the four years that he had, 
you weren't going to be happy with the results, and you probably weren't going to be happy with some of the process. So he was honest. You know, he didn't call anybody out. Um, and, and, you know, his, his comments this week, he didn't walk it back. You know, he continued to say that he wished things had gone better, and, you know, he tried to lead at Nebraska in a certain kind of way. And all the way up until his senior year, he was a quiet guy, lead by example, work hard in the weight room, get after it every day at practice. And Greg Austin challenged him as a senior to step into more of a, a verbal role with Farniak and Adrian Martinez. You know, Stoll was part of that group for sure also. And, you know, it wasn't natural necessarily for Brendan, but he did, he did what he could. And I think he just left with some disappointment that he wasn't able to be part of the group that turned that, that thing into a winner, a team that went to a bowl game, a team that competed for a, a division championship. So the words from him and from Farniak and Stoll and Diedrich, you know, particularly on the offensive side where there are questions because you've seen transfers during the offseason, because you haven't seen the same kind of progress that has existed on the defensive side, there, there, there were questions. All of those guys were complimentary about the players who are filling in for them and have confidence, I think, in the system that Nebraska is going to improve offensively in 2021. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic Hale Varsity Radio at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, you've covered the football team a long time, and the influence of older leadership, it never feels like or never seemed like that that's been an issue at Nebraska. But is it is it just a different era where young guys come into the program and, and really don't have their ears on with some of the older guys that have been there and done that. Is that something that's still a work in progress? I do think athletes are different today. You know, I do think guys are, are younger guys are more capable of leading because of, of the experience that they have received in growing up through high school, you know, through some of the exposure that players get today in mixing with, with others, their peers around the country. I do think there's an expectation when players come into the program not to sit around for three or four years and then earn your starting spot. And some of that does have an impact on leadership. You know, it's not just the natural thing necessarily for first and second year players to, um, you know, hear everything that the older guys say. Um, but in programs that are ultra successful and in programs that, you know, turn around um, turnover players and turnover a roster and then continue to win, there is a, uh, a culture that is built. And whether it's younger players or older players who are doing the leading, and in some cases it is younger players, um, but wh- whomever it is, it's done in a certain way and it ch- doesn't change from year to year. And that's why you see the kind of success that you do um, in addition to talent, um, but at places like Ohio State in the Big Ten and Oklahoma in the Big 12, I think there is a culture that is built, and a lot of that is built around leadership from whomever is asked and whomever wins that spot to be a leader. So that's what Nebraska is going for. And when you hear players talk about culture, I think that's a lot of, of you know what they're thinking, um, what they're striving for is uh, – is to be able to turn that turn that leadership over from one group to another, but not really change the way that it's handled. Mitch Sherman's with us from the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, uh, before we go here, a couple of minutes. Uh, the uh, the fans are going to get a chance to to check out Husker baseball. They'll see volleyball. They'll be at fifty percent capacity. 
for the spring game. Again, with covering this program, can you put into words the value of the Nebraska fan base, what what they bring energy-wise to an event? Yeah, look, I mean, if this last year has taught it, this last year has taught us a lot of things. And one thing it's taught us about Nebraska and Nebraska athletics is that if fans, they stir the drink. Fans are at the heart of everything. And I think you can probably go from college town to college town and hear some version of that same truth. Um, I don't know that it resonates quite as deeply at other places, at most other places, as it does at Nebraska. Nebraska's not entirely unique in that, but it is at or near the top of the list when it comes to the importance of those fans and, and their impact being felt at places like Haymarket Park and the Devaney Center and, of course, Memorial Stadium. So it's great um, that they're able to come back. You know, look, things are not written in stone. Um, that's another thing that we've learned over the past year is that, that sometimes the best laid plans uh, don't turn out right. So, uh, you know, everybody continue to take the precautions that you have. We're not completely out of this thing yet. And, and you know, whether it's in a, in a, in a practice venue um, with, with, within the locker room with one of these teams or, you know, because of things that are happening in the community as quickly as, as 40,000 fans were, were, were set to be allowed into Memorial Stadium, on May 1st, it could all go in the other direction if, um, you know, we don't continue to have progress and uh, and get through this thing uh, sooner rather than later. Mitch, good to get uh, caught up with you. We'll check in next week. Thanks for your time. Thanks for uh, your work, bud. Good to spend a few minutes with you. Absolutely. Good to talk to you. Welcome back. All right. Mitch Sherman with us on Hale Varsity. Danny Burke on the way. Burke's best bets on the Sweet 16. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, it is that time. The Pride of Chicago is with us, Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, his show Rush Hour, weeknights 6 to 7 on VEASAN Sports Network, and uh, you can find that on iHeartMedia. You follow Danny at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, your, bra- your bracket's perfect, correct? Yeah, I mean, obviously, what did you expect coming into the tournament? I think it's going to be consecutive years now that I finish 100%, so we're looking right on par. Well, good for you, because you ignored every, hey, the Big Ten suite this year, Danny. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, just eviscerate all audio of of me saying the Big Ten's money. Um, what what the hell happened, Danny? I mean, you've been following this. You've been picking some upsets, I'm sure. But wow, this is a long, strange trip, uh, appropriately so for the Pac-12 and Bill Walton's conference uh, with with so many Pac-12 squads here in the Sweet 16, and just Michigan hanging on by a thread with uh, with the Big Ten hopes. Yeah, you know, Schmitty, I'm personally not overreacting as much as everyone else is. <laughs> Excuse me. And the reason I'm not is because, as we know, I mean, the tournament is so wonky, so crazy every single year, and this season even more so because of how unique everything has been, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not your standard college basketball season, and it's not me making an excuse for the Big Ten. I haven't been out here preaching and, you know, saying, oh, but this, this, and that, blah, 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 whatever. I think it's more maybe we, I, yeah, I mean, we overrated, I guess, the Big Ten a little bit, but you got to remember these guys are beating up on each other the whole season. Now, I don't really put that as much of a factor when it comes to March because you still get some time off in between, but I think it's more so that we're underestimating some of these opponents. I mean, Ohio State, you can't even discuss Ohio State. Illinois gets a tough draw with uh, Loyola Chicago. I mean, look, that should have been a later matchup, but nevertheless, 
I just think some of the lower Big Ten teams, we probably touted as being a little bit better than they were. I mean, you look at a team like Maryland, I didn't think they were going to get out of the first round, but a team like Rutgers, I mean, in the game they lost, you can't lose that. Like, that's inexcusable. So there's been some embarrassing performances, but overall, I'm not too shook by it. It is kind of funny, honestly, coming down <laughs> to it, but, you know, I... Look, speaking of which, so I, I do think the, uh, the last Big Ten team is going to have their final game this weekend, though, Schmidt. Well, let's go to, uh, to Michigan there. They're in the Sunday matchup. Florida State is a team that has been in this spot a lot. Florida State's really good. The ACC's had a down year, but uh, Michigan's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So you're telling me you're going Seminoles outright. So that's definitely where I'm leaning. I took the three with Florida State last night, and I've kind of been all over Florida State because I actually had them in the final four in most of my brackets. I took them at about plus 625 with a little bit of lunch money to win the region and make the final four, so I'll be sweating that out for sure. We bet Florida State the other night against Colorado, and the reason being is that everybody was kind of high on the Buffaloes going into that game because of recency bias, right? I mean, Florida State, I don't think they hit any threes in their first-round matchup, but this is a team that thrives very well from beyond the arc. And when you're looking at these team stats between Michigan and Florida State continuously throughout the year, they're virtually neck and neck. The biggest advantage here, Schmitty, is that Michigan does exceptionally well from a charity stripe, and I take that majorly into account when I'm handicapping late in March. But I think this is a good and favorable matchup for the Seminoles. So the fact that you're getting three and they're virtually the same, and Florida State may have the advantage because a guy like Livers isn't going to be in for Michigan, who would put them over the edge? I think you take the three points. If you can still get it, I mean, two and a half, yeah, I'd still take that then too. But see where this fluctuates throughout the day or throughout the week. And I think Florida State catching three here is a solid matchup. And a couple of experts who we've had on the show throughout the week seem to, to think the same way. I mean, especially with isolation ball. I mean, Florida State's so lengthy, and they do well at protecting the rim and being able to thrive down in that area. So I like Florida State to get the slight upset. Danny Burke with us, Sale Varsity Radio, Burke's Best Bets. What do you think of Creighton-Gonzaga? You taking the 13? This is this is tricky, Schmitty. I mean, I hate to kind of beat a dead horse when I say these type of things, but really the best way to go about handicapping a game like this, in my opinion, is to wait for the in-game line. You know, yeah. kind of hope or assume that Creighton's going to keep it close to start, maybe even take a lead or just keep it close the whole game. Get a better number with Gonzaga, right? I mean, look, 13-and-a-half, I'm like pretty much everyone else. I do think is going to win the whole dang thing. It's going to be Denver Baylor. But, you know, at the same time, laying that much is really tough. And I know Creighton, a lot of people, including myself, are kind of shocked to see them in this position already this far. But, man, that's tough to lay that big of a number this late in the tournament, right? I mean, I just can't muster up that courage. So I'd wait to get a better in-game number. And, and, and again, though, Gonzaga is good enough that I wouldn't want to take the point. So that's why I'm just waiting to get a better number with the Zags and go with that route. Did I hear this right? That that Oregon State's twelve and, and three in their last fifteen, uh, covering the number and eleven of those twelve outright wins. I know they're on a streak. Are you buying the Beavers? Do you think Sister Jean and company keep on trucking? I think it's the latter here, Schmitty. I think Oregon State's kind of heroic run here is coming to an enemy. Loyola Chicago just a great team at this point. You saw what they were able to do against Illinois. And the thing is, Schmitty, not only did they win that game, they controlled it for literally the whole game. There wasn't a point in my mind where you're like, oh, here come the fighting Illini. They're going to come back. Maybe look at them to bet them in game. No, Loyola Chicago had control the whole way through. So you're still getting this. You can still get a six and a half out there. 
at this point. And I'm definitely leaning more toward the Ramblers, if anything, than Oregon State. I mean, it just seems a little bit too good to be true for the Beavers to keep on trucking here. Danny Burks with us. Burks Best Bets, Hail Varsity Radio. Uh, the show is Rush Hour, 6 to 7 Central, Monday through Friday, Vizen Sports Network, iHeartMedia. Danny, uh, as we look through the rest of the Sweet 16, a couple minutes here, uh, do you like Oregon or do you like SC? I know it's not the first dance between these two, but, man, Oregon's playing really elite ball right now. Yeah, Schmitty, I'm glad you brought this game up because I think this one's the second most intriguing and most enticing for me to play. And I would look toward Oregon here, but it looks like the market's shifting in favor of USC. But the thing with this Ducks team, why I'm not surprised that they got the dub against Iowa. I had Iowa going out very early, like I'm sure a lot of people did because of their lack of defense. But nevertheless, now that this Oregon team has been healthy, we hadn't seen them healthy throughout most of the season, right? So now that they're having their full roster, you're seeing the capability and potential this team possesses. So I would look toward taking the points with the Ducks. And if it's going to still keep moving in favor of USC, Hopefully he gets the three, and I'll for sure jump in on it. I mean, what are your thoughts with this matchup? Because I definitely lean Oregon. I, I Danny, Dana, Danny, Dana Altman has an incredible ability to take kids, get them better, and then the, the team gets better. They were shut down, remember, due to COVID as well for, for a stretch, and they're peaking beautifully. I just love how they play ball share. And uh, they're they're over athletic uh, versus many of their opponents. Now SC's crazy athletic as well, and there's familiarity there that is not uh, very common this this season specifically because of uh, fewer interconference matchups. But I think Oregon can can keep trucking. Ingfield's a, a nice coach. He was part of that uh, Dunk U Dunk City squad, and he he parlayed that into the SC gig. But I love Dana and, and the pride of Wilbur can, can keep on moving. 30 seconds here. What's, uh, what's kind of your, your, your one-game circled or your, your thought here before we say goodbye? Uh, another one that I guess I'm kind of waiting to see where it moves a little bit, uh, this Baylor game. I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised that it's a little bit low. I know it's been moving in favor of the Bears. Five and a half looks like it was the opener. You could have got it at six, six and a half. Now it's going seven and a half. If you can get it at seven, I think Baylor would be a good spot here. But same kind of philosophy with Gonzaga. If they get down early, look to in-game this Baylor team. I think they're very dominant and going to run through the Wildcats. That's Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago. Rush hour, his show, 6 to 7, VEASAN Sports Network. And uh, at Danny Burke 5 is where you follow him on Twitter. Danny, enjoy the Sweet 16. Thanks for a few minutes, bud. You betcha. You too, Schmidt. We'll catch up again next week. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, get the podcast figured out. Uh, can download it. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Hail Varsity Radio. Give us a review. Tell us what you like, you love, or other. A lot of fun on uh, football talk today. Spring ball, Amir Abdullah tomorrow. I'm going to be headed to uh, Home Innovations and pick out a hot tub uh, just to keep the vacation theme going. We say hi to Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, you had a big old show last weekend. How you doing? Oh, we did. Well, I'm doing great, and it was very successful. 
we were able to uh, get an allotment from one of our manufacturers, so we actually had spas that we could sell. Uh, but we did make it uh, very appealing to people if they would wait. Uh, we made a, a lot of uh, special, special deals because, you know, there there is a lead time now to get a spa. So now we have to make it worth your while to wait, and we're doing that. So the special spa lady deal sounds pretty mm-hmm. awesome. And, Deb, you've got a lot of choices for that special spa lady deal between the two-seater, the, uh, we lovingly call it the offensive line size, right, where you can fit six in, and then, of course, the, uh, the, the, uh, the swim spa, which is the mother of all spas. We really do. And, it, it's, and you're right. It's everything and then everything in between. So uh, you need to come to either of our stores, look at the models that we do have on hand in stock, and uh, pick out which one would work for you. And you're going to be surprised when you see that swim spa. It's unbelievable. It's something that you'll use year-round. You could swim in it. You could relax in it. You could have the whole neighborhood in it. But it just really serves the purpose of a lot of things, for sure. Well, and I'm sure all the spas are spa lady approved, Deb. They definitely are, yes. You have tried them all out, and you're like, yep, this will work. Deb, the spa ladies with us, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, when can folks come see come see you? What are the hours, and, and how can folks get that, uh, that expert service you've been doing for three decades? Well, they can come in and see us at either of our locations, 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, 10 to 4 on Saturday, or they could go to our website, and that is spasonline.com. Deb, last thought, are you doing okay after KU? Oh, that was so ugly. <laughs> you, went, you went right to the, uh, you went to ride to the swim spot, didn't you? I did, and dumped my head underwater. <laughs> well, there's always next year for KU, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, there's good. always next year. Good you stuff. bet. Deb, uh, enjoy the tournament, and uh, we'll come see you. Thanks for the time. Okay, Chris. Bye-bye. There she is, Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2, and off Industrial Road in Omaha. So Barack Obama's 2012 bracket is for sale. I think starting bid was like ten grand for it, the one he filled out for 2012. 2012, we uh, had our NCAA tournament party at, at WC's South, and I got to have a tall boy with Deb the Spa Lady. Again, we'll be at Longwell's for the national championship game Monday the 5th. We'll be back tomorrow. Amir Abdullah tomorrow with Hale Varsity.